people. I have something very exciting to announce. This Labor Day weekend is the 16th annual Kennedy Center Page to Sage Festival featuring stage readings of new works. And I'm very happy to announce that I have not one, not two, but three new plays in the festival this year. My adaptation of Peter Pan from Tinkerbell's point of view, commissioned by Adventure Theater MTC and aptly titled Tinkerbell. A new comedy drama about the first year of raising a child entitled The Guilt of the Possible. And my new work for Flying V Theater, Sheila and Moby. All three readings will be on September 2nd and they are scheduled in such a way that you can easily see all three. The best part, Page to Stage, is completely free. I've got all the details up at unknownpenguin.com live. I'll be at the festival all day on September 2nd, so if you're coming, be sure to let me know. Again, September 2nd at the Kennedy Center, free readings of three new plays by me, Patrick Flynn, free admission. Unknownpenguin.com live for all the details. I hope you can make it. All right, here's the show. Whenever my world falls apart, I never lose hope or lose heart. Whatever the form of the storm that may brew, not with you to lean on, darlings, you. Hello and welcome to The Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn. My guest today is a DC-based playwright, educator, and journalist, and forum theater ensemble member, as well as a member of the current generation of the Welders Playwriting Collective. His play, Girl in the Red Corner, was awarded the Charles MacArthur Award for Outstanding New Play at this year's Helen Hayes Awards at Stephen Spotswood, everybody! Hi! How are you? I'm great. Good. It's a gorgeous day outside. It is fantastic, and, and it's not sweltering. And we're anymore. inside on a gorgeous day to talk about... Tell the... Okay, so this is... <laughs> so you chose... I chose, once more with feeling, the Buffy the Vampire Slayer musical episode. Every single night, the same arrangement, I go out and fight the fight. Still I always feel the strangest estrangement, nothing here is real, nothing here is right. I've been making shows of trading blows, just hoping no one knows that I've been going through the motions, walking through the part. Nothing seems to penetrate my heart. Usually I ask, how did this show come into your life? But I assume this episode came into your life because you watched Buffy. So let's ask that question. How did uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer come into your life? Uh, So I, let's see. Buffy started in 1997. So I was like Mm. right in the middle of undergrad. Okay. Um, So I was like perfect age group for for this show when it came out um and i think i caught into it uh maybe around halfway through the first season um and i i have always loved horror as a genre Mm -hmm. uh like horror monster movies um that entire uh genre of, of fiction and tv and movies um and taking that genre and blending it with comedy and with like teen angsty drama, um, I don't know. It just I liked it a lot. Like the genre spoke to me, the tone spoke to me, um, the characters after they got developed a little bit um, mm-hmm. were were fantastic. Um, so it became it became weekly TV viewing. Um, so I would back when that was a thing. back when that was a thing. Yeah. Or if it wasn't a thing, you recorded it on a VCR. Right. Um, Those were your choices, and that was it. <laughs> oh, which at college could the... have been was tricky. I would imagine. Like you had to be. Did you have your own TV? You I had saying? my own TV. I had okay. my own VCR. I had a single for the last two years, oh so I didn't gosh. have to. I didn't have to fight the, uh, any roommates for control of the TV. Um, and then yeah, for so this it went for seven seasons, um, right. and I 
watched it through till the end. Wow. Um, yeah, and that went that like took me through the rest of undergrad and into like that transition period post college, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting because the characters in the show went from high school to like post high school and college and like figuring out what you do if you're not in college and it was. I don't know. It just, it was a nice lineup with my life. Oh, that's good. Um, yeah. And the show, to me, it got continually better over time. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the musical episode was the seventh episode of the sixth season, uh, which is my favorite season. Oh, wow. um, and it, I remember seeing ads for it, mm-hmm. like just the week prior. Uh, they would do the little promos and I, I was so confused about what it was going to be. Um, because you know, social media did not exist. Right. Um, the internet did. I was going to say, it's not that long ago. There were forums, there were chat rooms, there were message boards. But this Um, is like pre even television without pity. Like this is pre. Yes. Like serious. Yes. There were not like really dedicated bloggers or sites that Mm -hmm. were like diving deep into, into TV. Um, because this is kind of, this is pre- like golden modern golden age of television, right? Um, this is the ramp up to that. Yeah, and this was like the pre, this was pre CW. This was like right. This is WB. Yeah, WB and, and uh, then UPN. And UPN. When they up. Yeah. Um, and like the, even that that station was not that right. network was not known for quality TV at all. No. Um, and so I, I had no idea what this thing was going to be. I don't think anyone knew what it was going to be, and I think I assumed it was going to be like a one off, like mm-hmm. a we shall. Pause the ongoing plot lines for this one episode, and then we will continue the plot lines. Um, and then I think I actually I saw it live. Like I didn't have to tape it. I was actually sitting mm-hmm. in front of my TV. Um, I believe my girlfriend, now wife, uh, was watching it with me at the time um, because uh, once we started dating, she got into it, mm-hmm. um, and it became like couple viewing. Uh, and if I recorded it, if I, if we did not see it together, we have to record it and I have Mm -hmm. to wait like you do. Like you do. Um, but we saw it live and it was, I, I, I was just, A, it was fun. Um, I, it was a great episode. I, I loved every minute of it. I especially loved that it was not a one-off. Like it took all of the plot threads, um, that were going on throughout all of the characters Mm. and just, fast it did uh, it it had deep and meaningful impacts on them um so should i just well, a so smidge about the actual i do yes plot, before do but I, I have to say something <laughs> no go right ahead <laughs> which is including this episode i've seen one episode of mm-hmm. Buffy the vampire slayer um which is just it's just a hole in my pop culture experience I'm, I'm, i i have many friends who've seen the whole series and swear by it I love Joss Whedon. I love Firefly. I love Dr. Horrible sing-along blog. So it's not out of lack of anything other than the fact that I've never seen it. And I like the fact that this episode is so plot-heavy. It was so funny to jump into the middle of an episode where like, the previously on was a good chunk. And then so much happened that was obviously supposed to have, and does have, extreme emotional and plot resonance in the show. But to experience it from a point of view of like... I'm just watching this thing was pretty interesting. I was really, I was really down and it certainly ends on a moment that I would imagine is pivotal in the series. It's like one of those yes. things around yep. this other thing spin. So now having said that, let me see of, if I can do this in a, in a concise way. Right. So season six opens with Buffy dead. 
Uh, She died at the end of season five, and everyone assumed that she had, uh, that her soul was trapped in hell. And you have Willow, who is her best friend and a a witch, who basically breaks a lot of magical rules and delves into dark magic and finds a way to bring Buffy's soul back to Earth. Um, And it succeeds, except we find out, though her friends do not, that she wasn't in hell, she was in heaven. So basically, they ripped her out of paradise, and now she is stuck here on Earth. Um, and nobody knows why she is acting the way she is, right. why she is just feels like emotionally detached from everything going on. Um, and she can't tell them, because how do you tell your friends, oh, by the way, you did the worst possible thing you could have done to a right. person. Um, they just kind of assume she's having trouble yeah, transitioning, transitioning back to, to living. Alive, of course, you were right? dead, now you're alive again. Of course, right. you're going to have problems transitioning. But right. no, there's this, there is this, so there's that secret going on. Um, let's see. You also have, throughout the course of the first several episodes of this season, her having this sort of flirtatious will-they-won't-they thing with Spike, who is uh, the, the bad boy vampire. Um, with the bleached hair. With the bleached hair, played by James Marsters, who, mm-hmm. like, is just yeah. fun just and funny it. as hell. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know so him the, from Torchwood. Yes, yes, <laughs> he is. He is awesome in Torchwood. I know Let's, everybody in the show from other stuff. It's yes. really funny. <laughs> oh, um, so there's that going mm-hmm. on. Um, you have uh, Willow uh, and her girlfriend Tara, um, and Willow is delving into dark magic and kind of using it a little too much uh, in a very obvious parallel to addiction yes. kind of way. Um, and they, she and Tara have a fight, and Willow wipes her memory of the fight. Um, which, for Tara's character, who has a history of um, sort of emotional abuse from her family, um, oh, uh, is Tara's also a witch, correct? She is also a okay. witch. Um, so this is like a huge betrayal okay. um, that Tara doesn't know about. It's a secret. Right. Um, so there's that, and then you have uh, Giles, who is the librarian slash watcher slash Buffy's surrogate father and her trainer um, who is he, he is planning to leave like he is like I, I think that I've been here too long I think I'm holding her back um, I am trying to find a way to like to let her be an adult because um, he thinks the reason that she is like sort of like distancing herself and not committing to the job mm-hmm. of Vampire Slayer is because he's there and he's her he's her like crutch. Right. Um, so there is that. And he has to find a way to tell her. Um, and then you have uh, Xander. Right. And the comedic Aunt, relief. Xander, yeah. who is uh, the, the goofy guy. Right. Um, sort of the, the, the shaggy of the group, if you will. <laughs> uh, and, and Anya, who is a former vengeance demon, now human again. Okay. Um, nice. Who are planning to get married. Um, Xander is worried that he, that this, he is going to end up being just like his father, who was, uh, an abusive drunk and Anya, who is thousands of years old, um, and has a very, very t- clouded history with men, mm-hmm. um, mostly wreaking vengeance on them right. as a, as, as, a, a as a side gig, yeah. um, is worried that it's, you know, this is going to end all wrong and like, they can't tell each other that. Um, they're just trying to be like, we're getting married and it's great. And we both have secret giant reservations about this. Right. So all of this, and all we have of Buffy's sister and we have Buffy's sister, Dawn, who is, uh, always getting into trouble. Always getting into trouble. She is 
becoming the like professional damsel in distress. Right. Um, this is the episode. The only one of the few lines I knew from this series is "Dawn is in trouble. It must be Tuesday." Yes. Which, is, which, which <laughs> when it happened in this episode, I actually laughed out loud. I was like, "Oh yeah, God, I know that." <laughs> well, it's so much of season five was about rescuing her and like Buffy sacrificing herself for right. her, and now you find out that that Dawn is in trouble again. Yes. And that she has been shoplifting magical things from. The, okay, that was okay. Store. Good. That answered yeah. the question. She right. is. Right. Yeah, yeah, she's. It's just a. I mean. Yeah, she's it's a, a realistic thing that teens do. Yeah. It's just a way that, to act out, and and yeah. So mm-hmm. so those are all of the plot lines that are going on. Okay. So that's the backstory. Right. So we've done yeah, season, series, overview. season overview, and, and season now this episode. Episode seven, Once More With Feeling. Once More With Feeling. Everyone wakes up one morning, and everyone in Sunnydale is uh, bursting into song and dance as if they're in a musical. Um, and nobody knows why. And it turns out that there is a demon uh, who has been summoned by somebody to come to Sunnydale and like his he's causing everyone to basically express their innermost secrets and desires right. in song just like in a musical right. it, it is exactly like when you can't speak the thing you sing the thing and it's out loud oh everyone it is out can loud. hear everyone, everyone can hear song. everyone else unlike in a musical where you could do an aside <laughs> song to yourself everyone actually hears what everyone is hearing this. yeah so secrets are being exposed so secrets are being right. exposed but nobody likes this no. well maybe some people like this but most people don't um and many people are actually still they're dying because of it they're like bursting into they're spontaneously combusting from so much right dancing like dancing you see a lot basically. of yeah, people who dance themselves dance to death, themselves to death every basically yeah. every secret i just like talked about in the the season uh, breakdown gets revealed right um including the big one including the big one at the very end uh when everyone goes to save dawn from uh the the musical theater demon like buffy reveals that i think you pulled me out of heaven and that is why it feels so wrong to be here now right um and what's and it doesn't end happily. I mean, it no, ends. No, it doesn't. The the final little the final moment is the happening. final moment. The final scene uh, wherein uh, Buffy and Spike kiss, and you know, the, it's, mm-hmm. it's the music swells and right. everything's great. That that is like a happy moment, though it's going to end up being a like weird semi abusive well, relationship that yeah, um, obviously is not super happy. The series had another season and a half yeah. more to go. Yeah, but um, in this particular musical. Uh, when once the secrets are revealed, they are not resolved by the end. Right. Um, they get revealed and they, uh, some, they smash relationships. Yeah. Um, and like Tara and Willow like are broken up after this. Um, which we don't see. It was really interesting. Mm. Like they sing the final song, "Where Do We Go From Here," which is a great song. Yeah. And then the only resolution we kind of get is Buffy and Spike. Everybody yeah. else is kind of left singing in the other room. They're singing in the other room, and they have that moment of them like holding hands and then breaking. Right. Um, and there's just that. Um, which is great, because this is actually, I think this episode is like eight minutes longer than every other Buffy right, episode. Right, I read that, yeah. So it's like you can't fit in any more <laughs> resolution. And that comes mm-hmm. in like the next episode. So it's like, want to see what happens next? Right. You know, you have <laughs> this musical has a sequel. Yes, it does. Um, Non-singing sequel. Yes. Yeah. So yes, that that's good. That like that gives you enough for because it is like you say it's actually the episode is super simple. It's just characters all have secrets and they're going to sing about them. It's pretty basic stuff, uh, and even the great mystery of who like how the demon got summoned has kind of a weird 
ending, I have to say, because isn't it? Um, it is. Xander it's, summoned. It's Xander because everyone's on like purpose. Right? Everyone assumes that Dawn did it because right. it's Dawn and she does these things. Right. But at the but, but they, she was when the demon shows up, she's wearing the talisman. Yeah. He assumes it's her. He's going to take her off to be the bride. And then Xander's like, um, actually, it was actually, me. I kind of was really nervous about the marriage thing. And I wanted to see if we were going to end happily. And I figured singing and dancing, that sounds nice. Yeah. Doesn't that sound nice? Yeah. And I mean, it does. Sound it does nice. sound nice. Yes, um, does. Until you realize the actual practicalities of living inside a musical where all of your inner desires are. Right. Getting well, and it's, harmonized. And it's chaos. I mean, it's a certain, there's some nice moments like out on the street of other people singing random moments and things are just. I mean, they're funny, but they're kind of not getting done, you yeah. know, in the same kind exactly. of way. Exactly. Well, that one of the one of those little snippets is actually the biggest musical number in the entire production. The, they got the mustard the out. Mu- they got yeah. the mustard out. Which I'll play in its entirety right <laughs> now. Because it's very, very short. They got the mustard out. They got the mustard 21 takes. Yeah, well, that was, and you sent me a video, the behind-the-scenes making video, which I'll also post somewhere on, on the social media, because it was fascinating to see really how much work it oh, went yeah. into, how many more days it took to shoot, but also, I mean, it's, at, and also choreography, we should say, by Adam Shankman, he of, uh, did Hairspray, the movie, and, yes, and, uh, I mean, So You Think You Can Dance before that, and he is a, I mean, all-star choreographer. Doing some great work here yeah. with with non dancers to a lot of with non not very few of them had like dancing or like a any kind of deep singing background um, yeah like Amber Benson could sing um, uh, Anthony, Anthony Stewart had uh, yeah. was a singer like he right. had a side career and as Josh as a, Sweden says in the video he was the inspiration for yes. doing the video yeah he hearing but him um, sing. yeah. Like, it's funny, Allison Hannigan can't sing at no, all. No, she cannot. No. She asked, actually, please don't give me a song. Yes. And Joseph was like, okay, I won't. So they actually, they make it, it's a run, it's like a running gag, pretty much. Yes, but, that she's yeah. not, never gets a chance. She has sing. one line in there. I've got a theory, some kid is dreaming, and we're all stuck inside his wacky Broadway nightmare. And then her, I mean, her big musical moment is actually Tara's song. Um, where Tara's singing to Where Tara her. sings the whole thing, yes. Yeah. Which actually kind of works for a character, like, who isn't telling people stuff to literally to not be silent? To yeah, be silent makes makes a lot of sense. No, it's good. It's a thematic choice. That's why they did it. That's right. Well, <laughs> because Allison yeah. didn't. It's a practical say. choice justified through a thematic yeah. truth. That's the best. Kind. But it's 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 just amazing how much commitment and work went into this thing. When you know they set five seasons of like twenty some episodes a season where they have this is how much work is an episode, and then we're like, oh no, we're gonna do ten times as much work. It's mm-hmm. gonna take five times as long. Plus, like. A ton of like tr- pre-film training. Yeah. Um, and I think in the documentary, Whedon says that he he had wanted to do it from like the very beginning, but didn't have more than two weeks off in order to write it. Mm-hmm. And this is his first musical. Like this is his right. first music first writing. First songs he wrote. First yeah. everything. Uh, right. He taught himself the guitar in order to write the songs for this. Um, and then finally five seasons under his belt he could like come in and be like oh i now we have the time i want to do this um and i think, think it probably took five seasons to get his his cast to trust him enough yes i think it's very true and it's also the only episode i think that season he wrote and directed because of the i think i read that somewhere that it was like the scale of it was just like it's, yeah it's, it's the only yeah i think they were saying they were filming like in between the filming of like at least four other episodes which makes a lot of sense i mean it, and it is like two characters here two characters there you can kind of do that in a like, yeah yeah it's a lot of work to put this thing together which 
really helps the fact that it's very, very good. I think is the sort of like it. it what the thing I really, I really liked about it is one of the same things I like a lot about Woody Allen's movie um, "Everyone Says I Love You," which is his musical, which is the fact that all the actors do their own singing, whether they can sing or not. And everybody has, I mean, most actors can sing, is sort of my experience. At least they can carry a tune. Clearly some of these actors are much, much better than others. Mm -hmm. But there's a certain genuineness to the fact that they're doing their own singing. And it feels like this is what happened. They get a spell cast on them and they sing. Not like they sing well. Yeah. They sing. So there's not so much focus on that. There's also the fact that he writes all the songs. Which... Having seen Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog, I had a certain expectation for how good the songs were going to be. And I have to say, they were fine, is kind of how I felt. But that also is really good, that the songs aren't Stephen Sondheim-level musical songs, because they're kind of supposed to be being made up on the spot. So they feel a little spontaneous in that way yeah. to me. Like, both of those things make it feel more vulnerable. Yeah. Like, they're, like these characters are more vulnerable, because they're not perfect, and the lyrics are not, like, totally crisp. Yeah. And like it's a little it's a little clunky and you know it corny. It feels and it's very, campy. It's super very campy. campy. Oh, it's very, um, very campy. Yeah. It's and yeah. it's and it feels kind of I remember thinking after Buffy's song, which is the first one, going through the motions, mm. it it felt and even I've got a theory, it all felt very first draft to me. Which I'm sure it wasn't, but I, I like that. I like I like how rough it is and how and it, it doesn't feel polished it doesn't feel crisp even I, they got the mustard out it's very funny you know has a huge camera pull back and everybody's dancing and it's very but it's just it's because the thought is so simple that the thing can be so great like when yes. the thoughts get complex it gets super murky and like you say the lyrics get kind of wonky there's a really it's such a cheap joke when she stabs one of the That's demons sweet. and he finishes her rhyme. She is pretty well with fiends from hell, but lately we can tell that she's just going through the motions, faking it somehow. She's not even half the girl she Super cheap. And he waits for an entire, like, line before he gets to the yow. Yeah. But I'm like, no, nah, it works. I mean, it's... Yeah, cause it's but it's 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 that great thing of when, when somebody creative takes it just the right amount of seriously, like he clearly we were gonna work on this and we're gonna do a really good job, but we're like it's a TV show doing a musical like we're just let's not pretend we're more than we are let's not hire two you know like uh, I don't know who you'd hire and uh, Flaherty and Aaron's to come in and write our songs like let's just do it like in a kind of janky way, and it works so well it's such an art it's a brave thing to do artistically but it's also just very honest and naked kind of thing to do that it feels unfinished and unpolished and and raw so what was this something that you kind of went at what at first blush or you were like oh no like this sounds great oh no me. i immediately loved it oh, like, okay it was not a, a like oh i don't know if i like this and it grew to love it like it was like an immediate i watched it and like i adored it immediately um i'm not a musical theater guy um, in that I, I don't have a deep background in seeing musicals, but when I see them and when the ones that I see are good, mm -hmm. I really enjoy them. Um, like, I think I grew, I don't know. I think like part of the, the thing is that like when I, the, my first exposure to musicals, uh, was in high school with, 
uh, Phantom was like high school trips to Phantom and Les Mis. Mm. So, which were both grand and amazing. And I was like, holy cow. Uh, yeah, Chandelier Falling. This right. is great. Um, but I had this like thing in my head where musicals were like one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my, my undergrad um, didn't do a lot of musicals and the musicals they did were, were like deep, like, like deep archive, like musicals nobody had heard of, like Boys from Syracuse. Sure. Um, which you've heard of oh, because it's your I job. But I was right. like, yeah. Um, <laughs> the boyfriend probably. Yeah, like so, things yeah. like, but so like nothing that really like yeah. grabbed me. Um, and I didn't start realizing that, you know what, maybe I do love musicals until like halfway through undergrad. And I think it, like we, uh, I went and saw Rent mm-hmm. in New York. Um which, you know, I was 18, 19, oh, wow. um, and it was... That's the right age. It was the right age. It was the exact right mm-hmm. age for it. Um, it was, like, the original cast at the Nederlander, and it was, you know, that, that was, like, amazing. I did the, uh, uh, the sleeping outside overnight. Really? For the, the yeah, $20 yeah. front, like, two, uh-huh. first two row tickets um, in February. Oh wow! Uh, in rain and snow, and God help me, uh, sleet. It's Ooh. sleet. <laughs> um, so that was like that was an experience, and like, but I, I, I was like, oh, this is I really like this is yeah. something else that, or another sound that musicals can have, um, and I considered Rent as like the thing that I was gonna asked yeah. to talk about and then i like the more i think about it the more i just don't like that musical anymore like i yeah. can't i can't well we're going to be talking def- about it in a few weeks on this show and you'll get to you'll oh like, i'll be interested yeah, i'll be really be- <laughs> interested in yeah. seeing jimmy that. mavrikas is going to be here to talk oh to us that'd be rent. fun be i will listen to that i mean i love music like, mm-hmm. i love i love theater i love music um and when like when i see a musical that's done well i'm like this is this is great i love I, it's just fun mm-hmm. um it allows you to do so much more it allows you to like break the the sometimes like stodgy conventions of the stage to do anything yeah um and i think i've gotten more like that is like seeped more and more and more into my own work like mm. over the years like it's a rare play that i write now that does not have some element of music um mm. even girl in the red corner had a freaking dance break right at a club um and then there was like the last burlesque, which is well, full on choreographed numbers. Right. Um, and it's, it's just, it's fun. So like, yeah. and I think this was like, this came out and it was hitting me right at that formative time when I was like, Oh wow, this is, and I think I especially liked it because it, Buffy was already a show that was merging genres mm-hmm. really, really nicely and, and pretty seamlessly. Like it came, it like the conceit of it, like, makes those genre mergings work very well. Um, and so many other shows are, have done that exact same genre merge since then. Yes. Um, and I'm not saying Buffy was the first, but it was like, the, it probably was the one that like peaked pop culture wise. Yeah. Um, and then to add in this whole other artistic element um, of musical theater into this already complex genre mashup Um in a way that is not just a one-off and is not just for giggles. Um, though obviously everyone was having fun with it. Yeah. Um, but it was to like drive the plot, like at breakneck speed forward with care and like the character development. Um, yeah, I loved it. It's so, yeah. very, yeah, it's, it's funny how practical the decision is for this episode to be a musical. 
when you have so much plot you need to resolve, and that can be, as you know, unbelievably clunky. I'm dealing with that in my writing right now. Like when you get to act two and you're just like, crap, like how do I, I got to wrap all these threads up and I don't want people just standing on stage saying how they feel. But they can sing how they feel and we Mm -hmm. totally will accept that. And that to do it in that fun, it's almost tricking the audience in this episode to being like, we're going to do a plot dump. Yes. And <laughs> you're not going to notice. We're going to we're going to move everything forward and get us to that next that next step that we need to get to and you're not going to mind the fact that like just for the last 50 minutes or whatever, we've just basically thrown plot right in your face and yeah. you're going to love it. Um so it doesn't feel indulgent. It was so funny to sort of think of this because a lot of shows have done musical episodes since. This mm-hmm. I think is always it is I I I as I understand it the most well regarded, and I think that's it's also one of it's not the first obviously I mean Cop Rock came before it if you're aware oh. of Cop Rock, um but it's not the first show to do that but it it is a, a sort of, like you say of this generation that's sort of just pre Golden Age TV, uh it's one that's very formative to all the people who then went on to Golden mm-hmm. Age TV, um but like Grey's Anatomy did one, Scrubs did one. It's like the clip show of modern... T- like, there's something that's gone yes. away. Because, yeah, for those of you who don't know, clip shows are this thing that t- sitcoms especially used to do uh, because you couldn't have the show on DVD. They would have a character sit down and they'd reminisce about old times and then show clips from the previous episode. And they don't really do that anymore. Thank God. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> super awkward. The Simpsons clip show is still the all-time best. Um, but... The the musical episode is kind of that it's a it's like it's a gimmicky way to get you into whatever is yes. going on. It is it's like oh we're, oh we're going to do our musical episode right. Now. But like this is also the most natural way. Like this show can do literally anything it wants because it's about magic. It, it's about other. So there's a demon who does this. There's a demon who does that. I mean there was this show is also famous for that in the sense like episodes like um what's it what there's hush hush the silent episode the silent episode yeah, yeah there's episodes where they they've been playing with form already. So the freedom to do kind of whatever and make a musical feels very organic to the series, which it doesn't to kind of any of the others. No, I from a from a craft standpoint, I love it so much because I too have had that that thing of like, oh, we have to have this plot reveal and this reveal and this reveal and like, how do you space that out? And when you're doing like a TV show like this, if they did this with tr- like traditional episodes, like each of those major like character revelations would have to happen in a different episode. Like yeah. even having two of them in one episode, you'd be like, oh, this is too crowded. Right. Um, however. And they're big. They're huge, they're huge things. They're massive things. Um, like for all of these characters, but in order, but in order for like plot to develop and for these characters to like then have to deal with the ramifications of finding these things out, like you've got to get these things out. Yeah. Um, and that, he can just and to avoid dump doing like you have two characters. It's also the problems are so. I mean, they're specific to this series, but they're also very banal TV problems. You have two people getting married and they're nervous about it. You have two people in a relationship and one's being secretive from the other. Now it's obviously in this much deeper kind of because of the magic aspect. Like it, there's a huge invasion, but still, like if you extrapolate it out, characters dealing with drug abuse and hiding it from the other person. You've uh, uh, it, it so. Instead of having the episode where, like, they get all the way up to the wedding and then announce they're having problems, which is the sort of TV Mm -hmm. way to do it, to kind of do it in this, like, straight, force these characters to talk to each other, 
Yes. Or sing to each other. Sing yes, to, although yeah. there is a wedding episode where things oh. do not go well. Well, yeah, I would um, imagine nothing goes well Things this go show, terribly yeah. wrong. Um, <laughs> yeah, I love, I mean, that's one of the... <laughs> That's the. I mean, of course, it's TV. It's good t- in good in right. good drama. There's things conflict. go terribly wrong. Yeah, things go horribly um, wrong. Yeah, uh, but that's one of the things that I think made the show work is that the like the monsters and the vampire fighting, the, the Hellmouth, like all the all the genre tropes were there in order to tell these. We say banal stories, but also incredibly relatable stories. Well, right. Uh, I mean, especially they're banal for a reason. Yeah, they are relatable. Super they, related, they to, especially to the age group, that and they never go away. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No. People been like, getting married for thousands of years, and they've been nervous about it for thousands yes. of years. It's it's uh, yeah. And you yeah, and um, and I especially love like even Buffy's uh, conflict of like mm-hmm. being. Uh, feeling like she was in heaven and now she's yeah. in, now she's here and she just is she's not feeling anything she's not emotionally connected to anyone and like watching it again uh, and I remember feeling this way when I first saw it but I didn't quite understand enough about life um, but now watching it again I realized this is such a good description and portrayal of depression yeah that it's just so, like where your friends are just like, oh, you're, she's going to be fine. Um, you know, we'll yeah, just, just cheer her up. Her we'll just cheer her up. Funny or, yeah, and yeah. she's like, I cannot tell my friends this, that I am like, I feel emotionally detached from everything. Yes. I cannot feel anything. I really like when characters explain how they feel, e- even in a very direct way, and the un- their best friends or other characters are mystified by their <laughs> expression. Like, I really like Spike's song. Rest which in is, peace. Rest in peace, yeah. That's great. But I don't want to play Cause being with you touches me More than I can say and Since I'm only dead to you I'm saying stay away And let me rest in peace Let me rest in peace Let me get some sleep Let me take my love and bury it In a hole six foot deep I can lay my body down, but I can't find my sweet release. So let me rest in peace. You know, and she really has this look on her face the whole time of like, what are you even what is his problem? talking about? Yeah. And he gets through to her eventually in the, at the end a little bit with her being like, oh, clearly like he's he is actually upset and that is upsetting me. But I love those moments of just like, what are you even like? No, we have a relationship. It's clearly established, and you're saying now it's not. It's such a fun little, yeah. Little yeah, people talking go. at each other in the same room, and the things just going totally over people's mm-hmm. heads. Um, yeah. Hey, it's Chekhov in yeah, Vampire right. Slayer form. Mother. You know, it's just, it's every, yeah. It's great drama, is what yeah. it is. I mean, it's this sort of, like you say, these things come back for, for exactly a purpose. Because it's a huge jump, also, I should say, for him to do a musical episode not just from like he's got to get his boss to say yes he's got to get the network to say yes he's got to get the cast to say yes but then at the end of it all he has to get the audience to say yes, yes. in a serious way because this could have really oh, gone pear shaped in a This could have been awful. Yeah. It could have if and the or the audience could have just hated it. I mean it could have still been really good and the audience could be like this is not the show that I signed up for. What the hell are you doing? And it's a real testament that it, it isn't it's quite, yeah. quite, quite the opposite and i think part of the reason is that it, the 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 show is actually it treats the characters with the same respect he's treated them throughout mm-hmm. like it's all about people like cracking open their hearts and showing them to like everyone else which is sort of like a lot about like fan culture is mm-hmm. it's like finding the thing 
inside this TV show or book or movie that speaks directly to you and then like opening your heart and being like, here, here, this is where this is entwined here. Yeah. Um, I love it so much. And like so much about musical theater, not just the form, but the fan base is so effusive and passionate and vocal. And like, you have to put yourself out there and forward that I, I think it was like, Joss Whedon and the cast being like, we were going to step forward and be vulnerable mm -hmm. and do this massive thing that we obviously love doing because we just spent like so much time creating it. Uh, well, and it also, I hope you love it. And that ties into me to the, the idea of the, the, the actors doing their own singing and dancing and everything and him writing the music. So for example, like the song I'll never tell mm -hmm. is written ever so slightly out of Nicholas Brendan's range, who plays Xander. It's just a little bit, a little <laughs> below his range. He snores. She wheezes. Say housework and he freezes. She eats these skeezy cheeses that I can't describe. I talk, he breezes. She doesn't know what pleases. His penis got diseases from a shoe-mosh tribe. The vibe gets kind of scary. Like she thinks I'm ordinary Like it's all just temporary Like her toes are kind of hairy But, but it's, it's all very well Cause God knows I'll never tell It gives it, like I say, that feeling of just like it, it, It's not polished It's and, not polished, it's not I, easy Exactly This is really hard for everyone And I think the audience responds to that Of this sense of like It amps up that nakedness Of like, no, this is really me Doing this thing That is not my thing And I'm doing it for you And, you know I think audiences respond to that kind of yeah. that level of vulnerability. And I think when you have like a, a fan base that's already growing and as rabid as Buffy's and then you mm -hmm. do something like this, like I think that is why this episode in particular became like the like the fan favorite. People like talk about an episode that right. like their favorite. This is like gonna be hit. It's on every one. list. I mean yeah. every list of top Buffy episodes or top whatever episode, like this episode this, this is the one is always on the list. Uh, somewhere because it's just and not only the, the the thing I really was not expecting was how for a gimmick it is not a gimmicky episode at all there is it doesn't feel at any moment like like I say like the clip show like now we're doing our musical episode which I have to say every other musical episode I've ever seen of a TV show feels that way it feels like we're doing this isn't it fun and it's kind of winky to the camera like this is dumb like singing and dancing is dumb isn't that funny how dumb this is this is not no. that at all this is genuine like we are characters that you know have an established emotional framework exposing that emotional framework in earnest and in a basically a monologue set to music or a di or dialogue in some cases set to music it is so or dance I mean you also have Michelle Trachtenberg performing a ballet, you mm -hmm. know, in the middle of everything with these three super creepy uh, minions. Like, or whatever. Doll demons. <laughs> yeah, it's just absolutely terrifying little things. Uh, who can who can move, I should say. Um, and she's obviously, I mean, she's done a lot of movies since then around the fact that she can dance, so we knew she can dance. Uh, but it is just a, it's a really fascinating, risky, but good thing to do for a series like this, yeah. especially late in its run. To really just like strip oh, they, all the artifice away. Yeah, they totally didn't have to do it. There was no, no. reason. This, but because Joss Whedon was like, I really want to do this. And, yeah. And that's, yeah, they just took a massive chance. Yeah. And it, and it, you know, it really, really pays off, I think. It really worked. And I think it's like part of it is, um, 
is that rawness it's everyone just exposing themselves like both as actors and the characters and also just joss whedon takes musical theater seriously he really does he really there's no winky i mean i think when you whenever you have a a moment like or an episode like this where it's like all of these massive revelations in 45 50 minutes Mm -hmm. um yes and i think also it's even in in normal TV, like if they did this through normal episodes, you would never get that kind of like bald faced exposure to people's inner thoughts. Mm-hmm. Like you, ne- like you might they will they will might speak something that is akin to their inner thoughts, but will not actually be quite as emotionally charged. Um, and having gotten a glimpse into the inside of these characters' heads and hearts, like that, I think incredibly uh, changes how you view them from now on especially mm-hmm. for the rest of the season where they're still dealing with the events and like the the plot threads that are in this episode mm-hmm. yeah and the fallout from the exposure and, i mean and the fallout really oh yeah the yeah. fallout from like everybody else now seeing them and it's knowing so these funny things. that it, I mean, it's, it's a funny little thing where you have like obviously these characters eventually have to tell the truth to the person they're lying to but the way that it gets exposed that everybody pretty much tells everybody everything in that everybody is affected by everyone else's plot line. So like you wouldn't necessarily have everyone be affected by uh, Xander and Anya's relationship, but the fact that it's kind of laid so bare and so open and now it's super awkward, not just for them, but for everybody that like, this isn't going great. Like this is nothing, nothing is working as we thought it would. And with Will and Tara, like you said, like, it's just like, this is bad. This is super, super bad. Yeah, um, it's just watching people make. I love the Willow and Tara uh, storyline. Like it's, I mean, there, oh, there's problems with it, but I love well, that. It, yeah, I love that this whole season is Willow just making incrementally worse choices, mm-hmm. and like they're believable. I'm like, of course she's she's doing them for good reasons, she says to herself. Right, and you just see the ramifications of it, and uh, oh man, Tara, like. Uh, I love their their couple. Like this was the, f- I, I, it's not like the first lesbian relationship on TV, but it's like one of the. It's like one where it's, it wasn't a big deal that right. they were gay. Yeah, like they were just together, um, and they were, and it mm-hmm. wasn't like this is a very special episode right. of Buffy. Um, it's just that you had this, uh, for the most part, healthy relationship. Um, between two women on mm-hmm. network, network TV, which did, which I was reading about the background of like what you, what they allowed them to show and what they didn't allow them to show, yeah. and they didn't allow them to kiss, yeah, forever, um, or maybe ever. I don't know. I have to like go through. Um, they don't in this episode. Not in this I episode. Mean, this is- However, oh. during their that yes. one musical number. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the reason uh, Willow's not singing 
is because she's occupied elsewhere. Yeah, she's got she's got she's stuff going on. She's got stuff going uh, on, and that is like, it's like it's like Joss Whedon giving a finger to the network so and being is. like, it's, oh, you won't let them kiss, right? Well, it's a beautiful standards and practices like go go to hell. Go to hell. It's such a great because it's that great thing of like what I'm not doing anything. Like, yeah, what like you know, uh, yeah. It's and such I, a it's, fun moment. It is awful that they they fell into the trope later in the season of. Of, of fridging her, yeah. Um, uh, for for lack of a better term, for lack of a no, it's exactly it's yeah, exactly it's the exactly. right term. You kill the loved one of a hero in order to make them like go off, right? Um, and purely for and that's in and like, there is such a terrible trope with doing that specifically to lesbian characters yes. in drama that it is yeah yeah. When I was reading, I was reading ahead in the, se- in mm-hmm. the season. Just to sort of see kind of how some of these threads got specifically and that relationship, I was because I was wondering how long it went on, and then I found you know I didn't oh. have to read too many more paragraphs, and it did kind of make me go, oh, that's a shame. Like, that's, it is a shame. a shame. Oh man, that that created rage. It's like you actually had queer representation, yeah, not just like queer baiting. You could have, right. you really, oh. yeah. and it was like it was like early two thousands. This was yeah, you know, like it was. It's ahead of some shows now. Oh, totally. Like some shows that I love. Yeah. Somewhere yeah. on the CW. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've talked about that as long as I think two cis straight white men can in respectable fashion. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> like we are... I think uh, we solved it, Steve. That's good. It's good. So, everyone yes, would just do yes, what we said. A couple, couple straight white guys with yeah, beards yeah, we'll talking about representation. No, yeah, this is great. Sit in Bethesda. Welcome, Welcome to the internet, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I like. It was interested in the, in the ending... A little bit because when when he pulled away from the dance number after the demon, like they have a the demon disappears and they have one more song, which is an interesting choice. Um, and again, I, I think it's a really good, the best song in the show. Where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? The battle's done. And we kind of won, so we sound our victory cheer. Where do we go from here? Why is the path unclear? When we know home is near. at one point and walks out and I kind of thought that was what was going to happen to everybody as the spell sort of dissipated they were all going to kind of drift away and it was really interesting that it isn't what happens she she I guess breaks herself away as he breaks himself away he kind of has this moment like this is dumb I'm out of here and they keep singing inside yep. you hear them keep singing they're singing inside as we're going to come have a scene and we're gonna end on this, like, on this, like, you know, because it's it, it is it's it's a really good moment of not forgetting what we are, like Joss Whedon being like, this is is a great episode, but it is just another episode in this season, and I have to be true to that. Yeah. So instead of having a musical finale, we're gonna have the musical finale happening over here, and our two characters who are gonna do the thing are gonna do it here, 
and then we'll bring the yes. we'll close the curtains with a big the end because it is still and you also get to do the thing where in a in an episode where for most people things go badly yes um you get to end on the the quintessential happy right two people who have been circling each other for seasons kiss mm-hmm. and zoom in and hey happy Curtain's musical close, ending music swells and, and then, this is all gonna go terrible no, yeah next it. episode but it's a tv show so we're gonna wrong. watch it all burn to the ground yes what's your favorite song i just love rest in peace i love james oh, okay. masters singing uh-huh. it's just uh, i don't know I don't know. It's it's a little cheesy, and I'm a little embarrassed by it. But that is still my. I think that is <laughs> like the song that coffin. I like. What do you? You know, I can't not sing when it's on. Like that's okay, the one. All right. Yeah. I I say. I mean, I think that where do we go from here is the best song in it. But I have to say, reading what happens in the rest of the season, and also what happens in this episode, under your spell. Hmm. Is actually, I think, my favorite song in the episode. Uh, it, aside from the fact it's a really good song and really well performed, the deep, deep irony of oh, yeah. that love song that works on both levels. That works on, like, literally, I am under your spell and I'm unaware of it and this is going to be a thing. But, like, the sweet... You can take it, but if you didn't know that, if I just like we just played under your spell, like oh, that's a nice love song in a nice moment. Yeah, yeah. dramaturgically, that is the deepest one. Like, it's, yeah, you have the surface romance, you have the the deep irony of betrayal, you have the the, the sheen of uh, this is all uh, double talk for sexy times. That right, we, can, yes, we yes. can't show, but it's we're getting there. Obvious. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pretty obvious. Yeah, and it's also I have to say it really makes Willow seem terrible. Because she's down with that entire song. Like, she's totally like, this is perfect. Everything's going great. You're so, there's no, like, you'd, you'd hope for her to have a little guilt of, like, you're, when she start, hears I'm under your spell, be like, oh, that makes me feel bad inside. And at no point, she's like, nope, everything's great all the time. Like, this worked. She forgot the fight. We're back on track. Everything's great. And yeah. that is dark like, it is, is seriously super dark. dark and it's only gonna get darker and well I that's think... what i mean like and it sets her up to be like when you have a character like that who's been on a show for six years is gonna go places you need moments like that where you hint at the darkness a tiny bit even if the audience isn't aware of it in the moment later when like it makes sense when the character does like the truly dark thing because you've given them like 15 tiny dark things along the way yeah and so the audience is ready. Oh, I remember that moment too. Yeah. So in terms of like character development, like I think, yeah. Buff, like this is around the time when you really saw because it fits kind of thing more happened. in the like Mad Men, Breaking Bad thing. Where like it, it now those shows were telling a much more definite character arc over their over their seasons, but this still felt like no, I'm going to challenge my characters. I'm, my characters are going to grow and they're going to and they're going to make bad decisions and they're going to live with them or not. And you know people are going to die and not come back and some of them will come back and that's going to be a problem. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's all that. Yes. And frequently you will still, I mean, you have monsters of the week, right? Like, uh, but even, even when you have those, the, the attention is on the, the Uber plot lines, like continuing threads. Um, yeah. So it is, it is, I think leans more towards breaking bad than law and order. It's funny talking to you about the show and, even though like major plot points are spoiled and all this other stuff, like I'm really more intrigued by the series than when we sat down. Because this episode is a really, I gotta say, if you're looking for a way in, it's not bad. Like it's not ideal, obviously, to start like next to last season pivotal episode. Mm-hmm. But it does seems to me from what you're saying, it's the the tone of the it gives you a really good idea of like what this show is actually about. 
It, yeah. Yeah. It's about these people and this is what they do. And it's silly and it's serious. But like the main character was ripped out of heaven by her best friends. That's a, like I've, that is like the most of serious drama. Like that's pretty messed up a yeah. thing to be contending with. And that's not, I mean, that's one of the, that's a pretty big one, but like that's season to season that kind of thing happens. Like they, like mm-hmm. they, it's, they deal with some they stuff. deal with really heavy things and a lot of like in the high school episodes are things that we have seen on tv before mm-hmm. like dealing with high school trauma yeah um but i think it's done just it's done in the buffy style right. it's just more it's just fun but never <laughs> but never making fun mm-hmm. which is important i mean i it's... think that's really important yeah that's good. That's a that's a great place to end. So where can people find you on the on the internet? You can find me on the internet. Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram uh, at, at Playwright Steve. And the welders are this will come out in like mid August. Then um, we uh, last month we closed <laughs> <laughs> the uh, fantastic play by Alexander Petri uh, to tell my story, a Hamlet fanfic. Um, which is which is awesome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and if thing. you did not see it, then you're you're yeah. out. Uh, it's actually really funny talking about this show and then doing and like helping produce that show, mm-hmm. which is so much about taking popular media and changing it and changing the story and changing the narrative and making it yours. And just thinking about how like Buffy was one of the first shows that people really like dived into mm-hmm. in terms of fanfic yeah um and taking its adequate queer representation and making it even better right. <laughs> um <Yay>. <laughs> so yeah we just closed that and uh in october we are going to open uh deb savini's hello my name is which okay. is an immersive theatrical experience at uh, rhizome which is a house in tacoma park and you will be able to learn all about it at uh, thewelders.org. All right. Yeah. Fantastic. And that's it for the year, the two shows? And that is it. Yes, that is it for the year. year. We, okay. um, we, are, we produce, on average, like one show every six months. Okay. Um, so Debs will be our third of seven. Uh, and then yeah. before we're ramping up to hand over the company in January of 2020. 2020, I know. Which is bananas. Yes, it is. Amazing. The original cast is produced and edited by me, Patrick Flynn. If you like the original cast, be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It's the easiest way to make sure other people find the show. The original cast is on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at OriginalCastPod. You can follow me, Patrick Flynn, on Twitter at UnknownPenguin. My thanks to Stephen Spotswood for coming down and talking to me today. I'm Patrick Flynn, and I can't. I have rehearsal. you